for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health. There are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there, and please, stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. As we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour, I'm joined by the co-authors of a new children's book that uh, convinces or or encourages young readers to um, change two little words, I can't to I can the book is called I Can Believe in Myself, and it's uh, co-written by Jack Canfield and uh, Miriam Laundry, and they join me by phone. Jack, Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having us. Um, Jack, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you and and ask why you got interested in writing um, for children and and i've come up with two guesses and you can tell me which one if i'm right um it's either you're trying to hook future readers for your chicken soup for the soul series or miriam had something to do with it (laughs) it's the second one Uh, (laughs) yeah no, I, uh, I, I, we had written one book called Chicken Soup for the Kid's Soul many, many years ago. They were all really short stories, uh, like the normal chicken soup books. But Miriam took a workshop with me uh, a number of years ago where I do an exercise changing the words I can't to I can. 
And um, she got so inspired by that as she was going home, she think maybe we should write a book about that. So I'm going to let her talk about that, really, because it was her idea. Miriam, you want to answer that? Yeah, Miriam. Yes, of course. <laughs> so for me, this was 2012 when I attended Jack's week-long conference. And at the time, I had just given birth to my fourth child, and I had just lost a close family member to suicide. Um, mm. So I went there because I needed that positivity, and I needed to work on myself and what the next steps for my life would be. And I learned so much during that week. But on the flight home, as I reflected on what I was going to share with my own kids, I have four children, the word can't kept coming up for me. And that word can't had limited me so much in my life. It, I kept thinking about how that word had stopped me from doing things that I wanted to do, from speaking up, from starting businesses. And for the first time, that word can flipped. I started thinking, I can. I can do all these things. So that was the first thing I wanted to teach my children when I got home. And I thought, well, I don't want to get home and just dump this information on them. I'm going to write a story, entertain them through it, and then teach them about changing their I can't into I can. So that's how it started for me. Well, I need to apologize um, a little bit because uh, in promoting uh, your appearance on the show today, um, I put up a Facebook post and I grabbed the, uh, for a graphic, I grabbed the cover of uh, The Big Bad Bully. Oh, okay. Well, that's a book <laughs> well, we can, that came out uh, we can talk about a that little also. over a year ago. <laughs> yes, yeah. That was our first book together. Well, I, I, and I'd be happy to talk about both books, but but let's talk about I Can Believe in Myself first, because, um, you know, when you said you kept hearing the word can't, Miriam, and, and turning that around to I can and, and how inspiring uh, Jack's uh, uh, workshop was, I, I, I was thinking, as I was uh, thinking about our conversation this morning, that kids hear the word don't a lot, but aren't kids kind of naturally curious and and sort of explore uh, what the boundaries are without giving a lot of thought to whether it's I can or I can't? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that I think kids are curious up until a certain age, and then they start, and then they hear can't and don't so much from parents or or, you know, well-meaning adults that are trying to help them, but they'll say, you know, you can't do that. You're going to get hurt. Don't do this. Don't do that. Um, and that starts staying with them. And then the other thing is that a little bit of fear starts getting in and into them. And this brings us to the big bad bully. You know, the big bad bully is all about um, the way that we bully ourselves through our thoughts. And children start doing this also, where they start start thinking that they don't look a certain way, that they um, that they can't make a certain team at school or get good grades. Even though they're curious, that word can't, and the self-bullying starts at a young age. Miriam, I'm... Yeah, what we find is... Well, go ahead, Dom. Yeah, and, and Jack, we'll get right to that. Um, but, Miriam, I just wanted to mention, it sounds like there's something rubbing against the phone or something at your end. I'm hearing a lot of noise. Okay, let me try something. All right, we'll try this. 
Okay. Now now you sound a little farther away. But, Jack, go ahead and say what, what you were okay. about to bring up. I was just going to say that what happens for young children is that usually between the ages of three and eight years old, and this happens to all of us, we start to take on limiting beliefs. By the time we're eight years old, most kids have decided whether they're athletic or not, whether they're smart or not, whether they're attractive or not, whether they're good at math or not. And so what happens is that they begin to have these I can'ts. They come on, whether they've, you know, maybe they took some tennis lessons and they kept hitting the ball into the net and they just begin to go, you know, I can't do this. I can't climb on the monkey bars. I'll get hurt. And often, as, as Miriam said, our parents tell us the things we can't do. We can't push the lawnmower. We can't, you know, drive the car. We can't climb up on that thing. And so the kids begin to think, I can't. And and literally, it's one of the main things that stops people. I just ran a workshop yesterday online for about 470 people with Zoom. We can do that now with people from all over the world. And how many, many people are afraid to take a risk, afraid of judgment, afraid that that they'll fail. And so we live in a time of I can't, you know, especially for kids right now. They can't see their grandparents. They can't go to school. They can't go outside and play. Right. And so it's it's just really endemic right now in our culture. Well, and and it's a good time for the book. And and how do you um, transfer, you know, those negative thoughts? Oh, by the way, I I thought I would just mention parenthetically, I never got over the I can't do math thing. Um. um but but seriously with with so many restrictions on us right now how do you encourage not just children but adults to be positive and and to think of i can instead of i can't well basically what happens is is i teach a little formula called e plus r equals o event plus response equals outcome so everything you're currently experiencing is a result of how you responded to an earlier event. If I put a piece of cake in front of you and you eat it, then you put on calories. If I put a piece of cake in front of you, which is an event, and you don't eat it, then you don't put on those calories. So what happens is we have a pandemic, which is an event. And some people have responded to that by being, you know, they're anti-maskers, they're anti-vaxxers. Some people have responded to that by saying, I'm going to play by the rules. Some people have responded by getting into fear. And I know people that literally have not left their house for nine months. There are people that are afraid to, you know, let their grandchildren come visit them. So we have a lot of fear going on, a lot of I can'ts that are going on. But basically what happens is you have to begin to see that it's not the pandemic, it's not the recession, it's not my my husband looking weirdly at me or my c- girlfriend forgetting my birthday. It's how I respond to that. It's what I tell myself about it. And so, so many people have self-talk right now that's negative. And so we can begin, like with math, one of the things that I would, I used to be a high school teacher many, many years ago. And even though I taught social studies, I would have kids with, with difficulty always using affirmations, saying positive statements. So if you think math is difficult and I can't do it, we can have an affirmation that says math is easy and fun. Math is easy and fun. I can do math. I'm smart enough to do math. Math is simply a science. I can learn to do it. And if we repeat that over and over long enough, it actually becomes our belief. And then we will try math. If you don't try it, you definitely won't be able to do it. And so that's one of the techniques we use. Another is to have kids 
make a list of all the I can'ts that they have. And we do this with adults in our seminars too. And then we take either a paper shredder or a, a, we can put them into a, a, a big wastebasket and burn them. We can have a burial funeral, bury the I can'ts, have a eulogy, have people then make a list of all the things they want to do. And, and Miriam has this wonderful formula that how to learn is to believe that you can, to know what you want to do, reach out to someone who's already done it, and so that you find, you know, like, tell the story about the, your child's cartwheel, Miriam. It's, I think it's a good one. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, so my daughter was in kindergarten, and she wanted to do a cartwheel. And uh, she went to do her cartwheel. She fell down, and she started saying, I can't do a cartwheel. And she stopped for a very long time. So when I go into schools, I share this story. But when we started talking about how to change your I can't into an I can that day she said to me, okay, I can do a cartwheel. And she went to do her cartwheel, and she fell. But what was different this time is that she got back up, and she said, I can do a cartwheel. She went to do it again, and she fell. But she realized that she had to keep practicing at it. So the first thing is to believe that you can, say that you can do it. Second step is to find somebody. So I started talking to her, and I said, okay, well, who do you know that can do a cartwheel? And that day, our babysitter was coming over who teaches gymnastics, so she asked her for help. So the babysitter gave her some tips on how to do the perfect cartwheel. She still wasn't able to do it, but probably about two weeks later, she came to me and she said, look, Mommy, I did a cartwheel. Right. So it's those three steps. The first is believing that you can do it and saying, I can. Because anytime we say or a child says, I can't, that stops it right there. They're not even going to try. Um, whatever you did to the phone, Miriam, is, it, it has really fixed it. It sounds much better. Thank you. Oh. And Yeah, go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say with adults, too, you know, Tony Robbins has this wonderful quote. He says, success leaves clues. And so, like Miriam was saying, find someone who's already done what you want to do. There's very little that any of us want to learn to do, whether it's invest in real estate, lose weight, uh, make more money, improve our relationships, uh, get rid of chronic pain, that someone hasn't already done it. And then they've left clues in the form of books, uh, TED Talks, YouTube videos, courses, podcasts, all kinds of things, radio shows like yours that might be recorded. And so what happens is reach out and find someone who's already done what you know how to do. They can teach you how to do it. And so most people, I'm always shocked. You know, I had a woman, you know, before the pandemic, I was running a live workshop, and this woman came up and said, do you know anything about helping children stop waiting in their beds? And I said, yeah, a little, because I've had four kids. I said, do you have a kid who's not waiting in your bed? It's waiting in their bed? She said, yeah. And I said, well, how long has that been going on? She said, four months. I said, have you ever looked up online how to stop a child from waiting in their bed? She said, no. And I said, what age are you living in? <laughs> it's like... Everything you want to know, somebody's teaching you about it. There are master classes. All these different things are going on. So the reality is, whatever it is you want to learn, there's someone that can teach you to do it. And yeah, I, I, thing, I know about that, book. Jack, because I used to pl- I used to uh, golf. <laughs> yeah. And there's always somebody telling you how to <laughs> golf, right? Um, Jack, uh, we right. lost Miriam for a minute, but she's back now. However, I have to take a short break. Can you both stick around for a few minutes and we'll talk some more? Sure. 
All right, excellent. Jack Canfield and Miriam Laundrie. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Tom Summer. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the authors of a new uplifting children's book called I Can Believe in Myself. Jack Canfield and Miriam Laundry join me by phone. Hey, welcome back, and uh, thanks for sticking around, both of you, uh, and, and sorry to make you sit through that. No, no problem. that's great. No I, problem. I apologize. My phone cut off there. Well, it's good to have you back, and um, Miriam, I, I, I was going to ask you this. I Can Believe in Myself is is actually kind of a series, isn't it? It is a series. Well, it was the first book I wrote back in, it came out in 2013, self-published, and I continued to write two other books, I Can Make a Difference and I Can Be Me, all within the same concept of I can and then I approached um, Jack actually a pub- the publishing company HCI books that published the big bad bully our other children's book wanted to republish I can believe in myself so it's been completely redone all the illustrations are new Jack even edited the story some more and then added some great great exercises at the back of the book for parents to do with their children or teachers to do with their children Jack, what are some of those exercises, and and are they just for children? No, they're the kind of thing that anybody can do. I mean, one of them, as I mentioned, was I can't funeral, where you literally make a list of all your I can'ts and then then get rid of them. Uh, Another one is affirmation visualization. So let's say that you wanted to be good at math. Uh, not that you need to at this point in your life, but let's say you did, then what you would do, you'd have an affirmation, you know, I I am smart, I can do math problems easily and well. And then you would actually visualize yourself doing that. So we teach the kids anything you want to learn to do, you first have to rehearse it in your mind. This is what Olympic athletes uh, all do. And so, uh, you know, basically if you wanted to be – let's say a triathlete, we know that many of the triathletes will have pictures of their uh, performance that they want to have in each of their 10 events. And then they will close their eyes every morning and visualize actually achieving that. And so what happens is the mind and the body, the body rather, can't tell the difference between a real event and an imagined event. Like if I asked you, and I I won't ask you this, but if I were to ask you to close your eyes and imagine you were standing at the edge of a terrace on top of the tallest skyscraper in the whole world, most people would start to feel a little queasy. They would, their hands would start to sweat. Their heartbeat would go faster because our body can't tell the difference between a real event and an imagined event. So we can start to rehearse the thing we think we can't do as if we can do it. And over a period of about 30 days, we found there's research that shows that you actually get better at something. They've done this with uh, basketball free throws. Kids just visualizing that they would uh, every every ball would go through the you know the net nothing but a net and what would happen is they would increase 23 percent their free their free throw foul shooting uh, average in a 30 day period without ever touching a basketball 
So these are some of the kind of things we have. Also, we teach something called the mirror exercise, where you stand in front of the mirror every night and you acknowledge yourself for everything you did that day. And then you end by saying, I love you. And uh, we teach that to adults and to children. It's, it's used in uh, rehab programs for people that are dealing with addictions. It's used in schools, all kinds of programs. Why is it so important? And um, in, in, I, I guess I'll, I'll shoot this one toward uh, Miriam. Why is it so important to, to get this message to especially young people? The book is, is sort of targeted at, at kids from 6 to 11. Mm-hmm. I think right now more than ever it's important. And we talked about the limitations that are happening for our children with COVID and, um, and, and everything that they have to go through, like learning at home, not being able to see the peop- their friends, their loved ones. So right now, it's very important that we instill all of these great principles, these great ideas, these values in our children, because (laughs) they need it more now than ever. And for me, when when I wrote the book, it was because I wanted my children to learn these great things at a young age. Like I said at Jack Hanfield's conference, at Jack's conference, and I thought, well, this is so great, and I'm learning so much, but where would my life be if I had learned these things at a younger age? Where would my life be if I had learned that I can when I was young, right? What risks would I have taken? Just just the possibilities are endless. So for me, it's important that children learn these things young so that later on in life, they don't have to, you know, put so much work on themselves uh, because they would have grown up with all of this. So for me, that's really important. That's what I teach my children. Um, I'm always looking for good motivational children's books for them. Um, Have you been yeah, able to get yeah. feedback from from kids and, and their parents about uh, about these books? I know it's tough with uh, all of the, the stay-at-home restrictions and so on. No, well, I have gotten a lot of feedback. Well, the, the book first came out in 2013, so I, I visited hundreds of schools and shared this message with children. Um, one of one little girl in particular, her name is Celeste, that stood out for me because uh, her parents got a hold of the book at a store somewhere, and her parents asked the school to have me come in and talk about I Can. And her mom emailed me and, and told me that her daughter believed that she couldn't do anything. She wouldn't go, she wouldn't try out for teens. She was just very down on herself about everything in her life. And she read the book. And that day when I went into her school, I got all the children to write down on a piece of paper something that you think you can't do. And I went around and I actually didn't know who Celeste was. I went around and this little girl's just sitting there not writing anything. When I asked her, do you need some help? She said to me, I believe I can do anything. So <laughs> later on when I spoke to her mom who was there, she said that at the time they got the book, she didn't think she could do anything. And they had worked through so many things that on that day, she really felt that she could do anything and everything. And there was nothing she believed she couldn't do. So there's been a lot of great feedback for the book. That is great. Jack, you mentioned uh, earlier, I think maybe in the last segment, that you had done a uh, uh, seminar or something by Zoom. Is that is is there a, a name for that now? Is it is that a Zoominar? 
Yeah, Zuminar. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't heard that word before. I love it. Oh, I'm j- I just ma- I just made it up <laughs> on the spot for you, Jack. <laughs> well, but we're do but we're Maybe doing. You can't do math, but you do you do words really well. <laughs> um, but but we're uh, yeah, doing. Yeah, it's called the it's called. Go yeah. ahead, it's called the Reignite Your Life Coaching Club, and uh, people can just go to jackcamfield.com dot com forward slash club, and they can find out all about it. Was that an adjustment for you uh, because you're used to working with people in person? Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. I, uh, you know, I, I miss hugging people and getting a standing ovation and singing together and laughing and all of the kind of the group dynamic of everyone in the room, sometimes as many as 500 people at a time. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm spending my life sitting in front of a computer all day long. Yeah, people uh, on Zoom but, don't you know, want to stand up. People on Zoom don't want to give no. you a standing ovation because they don't want you to know they're wearing sweats. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's so true. I've been wearing the same four pair of blue jeans, black, blue, dark blue, and, and brown <laughs> since February, so I can relate to that, you know. Uh, but, no, it's what we found is by doing seminars on Zoom instead of doing them, like, right in a row, like three-day weekends, now we'll do two hours at a time, and then the week later, two hours, and a week later, two hours. Mm. We're actually getting much better results because people are able to integrate what they're learning and then come back. If it's not working, find out why, and also then take some new pieces and add that to that. So by the end of maybe three months, four months of doing an ongoing workshop like that, people have made major breakthroughs. We've had people double their income. People get rid of debt. One person lost 47 pounds in four months. So it's really exciting uh, to be able to do this. As much as I miss the live groups, uh, I'm seeing much more impact happening as we do the, the, the repetition, you might say, uh, on Zoom. Well, you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny, Jack, because um, back in January, I, cl- I had a studio of my own, and I closed it and moved my gear home, planning to work from home. So when the pandemic started, I was already settled into a routine of working at home and mm-hmm. and while i wasn't as unique mm-hmm. anymore <laughs> as i thought i was going to be um <laughs> i i haven't been put out as much as some people because i'm doing what i was going to be doing anyway mm-hmm. right well i think what i would say too is that this has forced me to do things we've been talking about we've been talking about doing more online work like in this last seminar we did, we had 47 different countries, people from 47 countries wow. participating. That never would have happened in a live seminar because people couldn't afford to fly and do the hotels and all that from 47 different countries. But now people can just get on Zoom, and we have people from India, South Af- Africa, Denmark, Austria, you know, you name it. And so it, in many ways it's revolutionized what we've done. A lot of people talk about the new, the new normal. We talk about the new better. So for me, nice. this is actually better. We're having more impact. We have less expense. We made a million dollars less this year as a company, my company, Campfield Training Group. But we actually made 100000 more net profit because all the expenses we used to have are done. Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Miriam, what about you? I, you know, I would imagine that you miss uh, getting out to schools and, and interacting with kids the way you described a moment ago. Yes, I I definitely miss that. There's, um, you know, a lot of good can come from change. And uh, I've been able to do virtual author visits to schools. So virtually they'll bring me. But there's, I mean, that that has 
cut back a bit. I'm not doing that as much. But I'll, I just want to talk a little bit about the Jack's conference yesterday online and how it impacts uh, children later on. So I, I wrote the first draft to the book, or the book first came out when my second daughter was seven. She's now 15. And she has seen me promote Jack's. I don't I'm going to do that, um, the coaching club that Jack was talking about yesterday. And she has asked me, can I participate in that? So yesterday as Jack was teaching, I was sitting in front of the computer and she's sitting in my office on the couch with her little book, writing her own goals. And she's 15. I mean, that is a success to me. Oh, right? But she believes she can do anything she wants. And she loves this world of self-development. That I don't think would have happened had I not been reading I Can Believe to I can't believe in myself when she was seven years old. So that everything changes. How how is she handling the um, uh, shelter in place uh, restrictions? Yes, it's really tough for all ages, um, but it's really tough for teenagers also. She is not able to see her friends, her volleyball team cannot see each other in person but you know I mean I'm so grateful for coaches and teachers that uh, still put themselves out there so they still get on um, zoom calls and do practices everybody within their homes little practices or a little getting to know the team more Um, so she's doing the best that she can and and she absolutely knows that formula Jack was talking about it's her response that's going to determine her outcome so she's pretty positive about it, but of course she misses. She has a boyfriend who she cannot see, um, and her best friend. But yeah, that, that, we just go with the flow, right? That's that's kind of a gift, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what part? <laughs> I, I was thinking that's the part where she can't see her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. No, but you had me scared yeah. there for a minute, Miriam, because when you started talking about the uh, teachers and the coaches and having the practices at home, I just I had this picture of a soccer ball go- just flying into the good china. You know, well, you have to find a <laughs> space that doesn't have good china around it, and they're just doing drills, little things. They're not yeah. fully kicking the soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I would think that that could be uh, a little chaotic. Um, so what's yeah. um, what's next? It's Jack. It sounds like um, you stay pretty busy doing uh, doing teaching. Um, does that leave you time to write? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miriam and I have another book we're working on, and also I am working on a book on um, called "Living the Success Principles." I wrote a book called "The Success Principles: How to Get right. from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be," which did very well. And now we're doing a book of stories, 101 stories of people who actually applied those principles, much like uh, Miriam's talking about in her life and her child's life, and then and, and created extraordinary results, ordinary people creating extraordinary results. So I'm working on that, I'm working on another book, uh, Choose Love, Not Fear. I think what happens, we have so many people living in fear right now. We see, just for example, what, what happened in Washington Yesterday, we see a lot of Congress people who are afraid to speak up against anything for fear of not getting elected next time, and they're afraid of Trump's base. So there's so much fear, and, and I really think the solution to all the problems 
are to care, to be compassionate, to love, to, to, you know, I always ask the question, what would love do in this situation? So I'm writing a book about, about that. And, and then mainly, mainly teaching, and also I'm training trainers. We, we used to train them live, how to do experiential trainings in live, you know, ballrooms and, and hotels and things like that. And now we're teaching them how to do Zoom trainings uh, to teach the success principles. And so that's exciting. And, and Miriam's actually just now started teaching authors to write children's books. Why don't you talk about that, Miriam? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's always started with the kids and, and them learning good principles at, a, at an early age. But I realize that at the most, I can put a book out every two years. So I'm, I feel like I'm limited with that, how many children I can reach. If I can teach other authors to publish their children's books, I think together we can impact even more children. So that's what I've I started doing since uh, about a little over a year now. And uh, I mentor aspiring children's book authors to fulfill their dreams and write and publish their great children's books. Yeah, so that's what's coming up for me. Is it difficult to weave uh, messages into uh, a readable story? No, nothing is difficult, I think, with good, um, good coaching, with being able to also do rewrites, like, before I can believe in myself, I, I had close to 20 different drafts before the book got published. And then in the second round of it being published, it, again, had some more rewrites. So you have to be willing to put in the work and, and to learn. But, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of an art. You want a children's book, first and foremost, has to entertain the child. Right. If it's a boring book with a, with a heavy message, then they're not going to want to pick it up. So you have to find a way to, to bury your message into the story so that at the end, the child reading it feels like they've discovered the solution to the problem. They've had that aha moment that they can bring into their own lives. Um, it just takes some time, but it's definitely doable for everybody. Jack, you mentioned fear, and, and as you were talking about uh, the events of, of yesterday, you brought up what went on yesterday. I saw our own, uh, my own mm. congressman on CNN last night talking about crawling around on the House floor and wearing a gas mask for <laughs> about 15 or 20 minutes until they figured out where they were going and what mm. they were going to do. Um, which, is, which is worse? Um, with the pandemic going on, the, the fear or the uncertainty? Well, I think they go together. I mean, obviously, you know, one of the things that uh, th there's studies that show that one of the um, uh, what do I want to call it? qualities of being a mature person is being able to deal with ambiguity and uncertainty. And people that are immature want certainty all the time. And that's why you get people so locked into political points of view or any point of view at all. And so I think that what's happening is uncertainty is everything's uncertain in life at some level. You know, we try to control life more than we really can. Um, you know, anything can happen to anybody. We see people dying that are not supposed to die. We see hurricanes that come out of nowhere. We see twisters and earthquakes and, sure. you know, automobile accidents and so forth. And so I think that, you know, if we have to know that life's not certain and deal with that. And then we do the best we can to navigate through that. But fear, fear is the act of visualizing something negative happening in the future that hasn't happened yet. 
And so even if there was a snake in your home studios coming across the floor toward you, you'd have to go into the future and imagine the snake biting you in order to be really <laughs> afraid. And so what happens is we all scare ourselves by imagining things that haven't happened. That's one of the reasons kids think I can't. They're afraid of judgment for not doing it well. You know, I'll, 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 I won't be able to talk in front of class. I'll, I'll stutter. I'll drop the ball. I won't catch the touchdown pass and everyone will hate me. So it's that kind of fear that stops us. So we have to turn our focus, our, our function of visualization into imagining the positive outcome we want rather than the negative. That's what an optimist is. They imagine it's going to turn out well. And research shows that when you do imagine that, the chances of it turning out well for you are much higher. You know, Jack, you were talking about you and Miriam uh, are working on another book. How, how does that process work? Are, are you emailing back and forth and video conferencing and, and all of that? We're yeah, usually, usually Miriam, <laughs> yeah, she usually has the idea because she's got the kids at home and they come out of her experience with her kids. And then she'll send me a manuscript and I'll go through it and clean up some of the languaging, maybe think I can make it more cool. And then we hire an illustrator. We've been working with this one illustrator in, uh, in Italy who's amazing. And so that goes back and forth with corrections and everything from color and the characters. One of the things we did in this book, I can't believe in myself, is we want to make sure there was a real multicultural classroom with black kids and brown kids and Asian kids and so forth. Uh, and, and we put our own children's names on some of the kids. And so we had a lot of fun with it. But, yeah, it goes back and forth. It goes back and forth a lot. Well, is there, uh, is there a website for the projects that you work on uh, together? I, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, are there some places that, that people can go to keep track and, and explore? Yeah, sure, I'll go first, then I'll let Miriam go second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, for me, it's Jack at Jack. It's just jackcanfield.com, J-A-C-K-C-A-N-F-I-E-L-D, jackcanfield.com. And all of the courses and the books, everything I do are there. And uh, for Miriam, it is what? It's miriamlaundry.com, M-I-R-I-A-M, laundry, L-A-U-N-D-R-Y.com. And I have all the, the books there, and they'll link you to Amazon where you can purchase the new I Can Believe in Myself, and, um, and then the mentorship that I do for children. Of course, there's a lot of mention of Jack in my website because he has played such an incredible role in my self-development and, and now in my children's lives. Well, I think this is uh, this is just great. The uh, The book is wonderful, and I really enjoyed getting a chance to talk with both of you. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks, Tom. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. That was, um, well, New York Times bestselling author Jack Canfield, who uh, is, is well-known for his series Chicken Soup for the Soul, and his uh, co-author on a series of books for kids, uh, the current book, I Can Believe in Myself. And don't forget, we mentioned, uh, or Jack mentioned, rather, um, the events of yesterday. And tomorrow, um, former, uh, um, former White House staffer Mark Everson 
will be joining me in the first hour of our three-hour tour. And we're going to talk about some of the things that went on at the Capitol, the the Capitol breach and uh, the the process of uh, certifying the Electoral College votes and, and how that all works and, and some of the politics of it because he's worked not just in the White House but in several branches of government under a couple of different uh, administrations. And he always has some some fascinating insights. Anyway, we've got lots more of the Tom Sumner program coming up. We are going to take a short break and let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. 
The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. about uh, growing up as a child was kindergarten. Now to me, the only thing, uh, uh, kindergarten, the only good thing about it is that it, it teaches you how to say goodbye to your parents without crying. That's all, after that, forget it. They got nothing else for you to do. I remember standing in that schoolyard with 27 snowsuits on and uh, my idiot mittens, you know. The idiot mittens are the ones with the string that go up your arm and around your neck. And the only cool thing about it is if you talk in the left hand, you can listen in the right. Hello? How'd you been? That's all right, fine. Find another kid with idiot mittens on, you run up, you pull his left mitten, and he smacks himself in the face with the right. <laughs> yeah, I used to love to do that, boy. And we all stood in that line crying. Oh, where are we going? We're going to die. You better get us killed And the next day, I was very cool. Goodbye, mother. Take care of yourself, won't you, dear? I should be home, oh, 12.30, quarter to one, somewhere around there. Might be late, I may have a little milk with the boys, you know what I mean? Tell Dad I'll see him around dinner time. Now, once they get you inside, they're lost. They got nothing for you to do because you're only five and you're too dumb to care about anything else. They try, though, you know. One and one is two. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Right, yeah, cool, man. One and one is two. Yeah, right. What's a two? Don't care, man. So then she takes. So then they, they try these other things, basic things. No, no chairs in kindergarten. Everything's done on the floor. Sit on the floor, stand on the floor, you go home on the floor. Everything's in a circle on the floor so you can look at each other. Little ugly kids with pointed heads. And you beat time to Mozart. Ta dun da dun boom. How long do we have to keep this up? I don't know. Go another 10 minutes. We'll beat her to death with these sticks, all right? <laughs> then she says, okay, children, it's time for a snack. Right. Now you're talking. Yeah, snack. I want a Hershey bar. Me too. Give me a baby Ruth. Right. No such luck. She brought out a box and gave us each an old, dried-up, brown, nasty-tasting, gag you, stick-in-the-throat graham cracker. <laughs> And you gotta pray for something to wash it down. Please, we're gonna die if you don't give us something soon. We got the hiccups and everything, please. She said, certainly. Went over, got a case of milk that's been sitting on the radiator for about 80 years. <laughs> Nothing in the world better for a bunch of five-year-old kids than good old lukewarm, curdly milk. <laughs> yes, sir, we loved it. And the straws in kindergarten are the worst things in the world. Worst straws I've ever seen. They're good for one suck. You <laughs> and that's it. Flat as a piece of paper. You're sitting up there. 
Then to top it off, she says, okay, it's time for a nap. Yeah, there's nobody in the world anymore wide awake at 11 o'clock in the morning and a bunch of five-year-old kids. 23 kids on 23 cots sleeping wide awake. Only one sleeping is the teacher. She's gone. Thank God for this break, boy. I'm telling you I graduated from that into the first grade. I always wanted to get into the first grade because you have your own desk in the first grade and that's just a part of being cool, man. Yeah, because I remember there was one guy that was just as old as the rest of us and his name was Richard, man. Richard was cool because he had his own desk. They skipped Richard because he could tie his own tie, you know. Yeah. They used to bring him up, bring him up before the assembly progress and the president of the school said, All right, we will now have Richard tie his tie for you. Yeah, yes, yeah, go Rich, yeah. yeah. Rich was cool, man. We used to pass by the room, man, and peep in the first grade and see them all in there sitting at their desk. You can see Rich. We try to make Rich laugh. We make faces at him. Hey, Rich. <laughs> Rich scared to laugh because he get a beating, you know. Now I got my own desk. Ta-da! I love this desk. Of course, they all look alike, but I got to find out how to find my own. Of course, I don't want anybody to know that I'm not cool finding my desk. And I sit down on my desk and look around. I know this is my desk because I sit in front of Crying Charlie. <laughs> crying Charlie's got the coolest cry in the world, man. You can't hardly hear him or nothing. He just opens up his mouth <laughs> and tears roll down his face and everything, man. I know this is it because I sit in front of him. So every time I come into the room, I just look for Crying Charlie and I sit right in front of him. Of course, if Crying Charlie's absent, I don't know where I'm going to sit. You know. <laughs> Crane Charlie's absent, I go to his house and sit in front of him. Yeah, gotta fold my hands on top of the desk so the teacher will know what I'm doing. Got some initials on the top of the desk here. Somebody carved them all the way through to the floor. So when you write on your paper, you rip it. Yeah. Got an inkwell. Yeah, boy, they still don't trust us though. No ink in it. Afraid we'll drink it. And I would too, man. Ink is cool to drink, boy. Hey, drink ink about 325, go home with a blue tongue. <laughs> Used to make my mother faint. Ma, yeah, look. <laughs> my mother was cool, man. She would faint for anything, boy. I used to get hit in the head with a rock, cover up the blood, wait till I get right up on her. Ma, look. <laughs> Way to go, Ma. Cool, yeah. She got me back one day, though. I was playing with my navel. Yeah. Oh, navel, navel. My mother said, all right, keep playing with your navel. Pretty soon you're gonna break it wide open. The air is gonna come right out of your body. You'll fly around the room backwards. For 30 seconds land, you'll be flat as a piece of paper. Nothing but your little eyes bugging out. Keep it up. I used to carry band-aids with me in case I'd have an accident. Gonna learn to uh, write in the first grade now. They give you this paper, grade triple Z. Grade triple Z paper with wood still in it. Big hunks of wood still floating around in it. You gotta write around the hunks of wood. And the lines are about eight feet apart. They don't want you to miss getting in between them lines, man. Don't want you to start crying. They give you these pencils as big as a horse's leg. And you rest them on your shoulder as you write. A, B, may I have another piece of paper, please? I will, I will, I will, please. 
I learned the correct procedure for going to the bathroom in the first grade. You just don't raise your hand and, you know, say, may I be excused? You have to let one finger go up. If you want to do one thing, you want to do anything else, you have to let it see two fingers. In case of a tie, two wins out over one. For the longest time, I told the truth. If I had to go, zero one. And then one day it hit me. I was in the bathroom playing the soap dish game. Seven nothing, favor me. And it hit me, now what's she got to know what I'm in here doing for? It's none of her business whether I'm one in it or two in it. That's why they put doors on the bathroom so nobody will know if you're one in it or two in it in here. And it's not bad enough that the teacher knows I'm one in it. The whole class knows I'm one in it. You go back in the classroom, people say, how was it, one in it? <laughs> So I just started lying after that. You know, hey, if I had to one, one, <laughs> they think I'm one in it. Then I felt guilty and I'd go back and tell the truth. You know that one? Yes, it was really a two. <laughs> she wrote it down in her book, Bill Cosby did two twos and three ones today. I got an A in bathroom going. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I stay at home. Shelter in place. Social distance. Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves Stay away from church I avoid old folks And should I sneeze I do it in my elbow Or up my sleeve Six feet apart Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I 
Touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 